When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Getting ready down there in Florida. World Baseball Classic will be over in just a couple of days. So full rosters will return to Tampa and Port St. Lucie, respectively. And joining us now to talk a little Mets, little Yanks, everything going on in baseball is our good buddy from MLB Network Radio. He's also one of the TV voices of the Texas Rangers and a former St. John's product who According to reports, and I guess we have him here to confirm it, he uh, has taken himself out of the running for the St. John's head basketball coach position. It is the great C.J. Nitkowski. Can we, can, can we officially confirm that report, C.J.? That is confirmed, uh, and, you know, probably never hit, really had much of a shot at it anyway, but uh, the Rick Pitino rumors are kind of exciting for us, former Redmond, and, uh, of course, now the Red Storm. But, yeah, we are excited about the possibility and you can absolutely confirm I will not be the guy. I never want you to be thankful for that. All right, so we could quiet those rumors a, a little bit that CJ won't be the basketball coach. But good to talk to you, my friend. It's been a few minutes. Um, and, look, we're getting closer to the start of the season here. Great time of the year. Let, let, let's start with the Mets because they've been in the news here in the last week for, you know, the wrong reasons, unfortunately. And that starts with Diaz, the awful injury at the WBC. Uh, let's just go on the assumption that it's going to be a season ender right now. Do you think, or I should say, how much of an impact do you think that has on their chances of getting to where they want to go, which is a World Series? Yeah, I mean, listen, it does impact it. There's no two ways about it. There are going to be times in the regular season and hopefully for the Mets in the postseason where you're going to miss him. It's going to be obvious. There's going to be some late-inning losses or some blown leads. I think that's the easy thing that you look at. That's the first thing you're going to pick up on. The other part of it for me, whenever you lose your closers, what happens to the rest of the bullpen? Everybody moves up one. Right, David Robertson moves up one. Adam Adovino moves up one. Brooks Raley, who they brought in, right, a couple of new guys that are now part of that bullpen. Everyone's going to be in the game a little bit later. So what happens when you need to bridge the gap, say, in the in the sixth or the seventh inning when it might have been one of those guys earlier, but now they're finishing out games. But Schalter runs a really good bullpen, and he'll figure it out. Uh, but those may be the times you don't realize it as much when you're missing Edwin Diaz in the seventh inning because that seventh inning guy's now throwing the eighth for the ninth inning, especially early on when starters aren't stretched out as much, having the older rotation, knowing that there could be some issues, not issues there, but just guys coming out of games a little bit earlier than they will be in July, August, September. Um, that's the part to me where it probably has the biggest impact overall. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's significant. Um, but they'll find a way. This is still a really good team. There's good experience down the pen. And if anybody can figure it out, it'll be Buck Show out there. And, and look, it's obvious there aren't many guys in baseball right now that are even on the same level as Diaz at the back end of the bullpen, right? I mean, Cleveland's not giving the Emmanuel Classe, so you could rule out that scenario. Do you think that the best way they're probably or the likely way that they're going to go about trying to replace them is see if they can fix it internally with some of the options they have down there? And then as you get closer to the trade deadline, if a piece becomes available, then Billy Epler and company are going to go out there and make a deal. Do you think that's the likeliest course of action? Yeah, I think so. I know Zach Britton is throwing for teams, and I know the Mets were there to watch that and see how that goes. And if he could show that he may be as close to where he used to be, maybe not all the way back from where he was a couple of years ago, but something close to it, it would make sense to add an arm like that as well. But you've got to let this season develop and see 
available. It doesn't happen very often, but we saw Josh Hader get traded uh, last year from a team that felt like it, a team like they were contending in Milwaukee, right? They fell a game short. So the postseason gets traded to another contender. So it can happen. Uh, this is just the wrong time for it to happen, right? It's not going to be until later in the season. So, uh, yeah, you got to wait a little while on that. But, yeah, it does feel like there will be an opportunity somewhere uh, for some club that is non-contending uh, that has a piece that they would be willing uh, to move. You know, who will see maybe Colorado with a guy like Daniel Bart, right? They're not likely mm-hmm. going to be a competitive team. Um, they locked him up. They really like him. Um, there's another year after this year on that deal. But, you know, potentially he could be that kind of guy. You know, the other thing, and for so many reasons, the injury and why it's significant, but whenever you see the linchpin of a bullpen go down like that, you know, it takes on a greater level of importance for the other guys back there, as you mentioned. And I thought so much with this Mets team this year, you looked at that starting five, at least the way that they initially wanted it to be, and Quintana's already down for the count, but it's an older group. And so I don't know how many of these guys, CJ, you could have expected to maybe pencil in for, let's say, 30 starts, you know, because especially the two guys at the front of it who really are the keys for you, you're going to have to kind of watch because they got a lot of miles on that arm. So this bullpen might be relied upon a little bit more than usual, given the fact that, you know, they're really going to have to keep a watchful eye on these guys in the rotation this year. Yeah, I don't want to feed into any of the, the negative energy right now surrounding Mets fans, but it is a reality and it is something that you have to worry about. You know, Justin Berler ended up Justin Berliner ended up making thirty two starts last year with the postseason. Right? He was pitching in November, right? And then going to a new team and now getting this opportunity in New York at his age, as much as he has been so impressive to watch and bounce back from injury the way that he did in the huge season that he put together, that's gotta be out there for them, right? As they're sitting here planning and saying thirty two starts last year, making a start in November. What are we really gonna get out? We want us we want the same thing uh, that he did last year, do it in Mets uniform this year, well, that means you probably got to be a little bit careful um, with him to some degree. I'm not saying, you know, baby gloves, but you got to be a little bit careful um, with him. Same thing with Max Scherzer, again, yeah, with his age now, with 23 starts only last year and missing some time. Yeah, we see dominance from him and we get it, but I think you're right. And then the Senga, you know, the Senga part of this to me is another thing worth keeping an eye on. The adjustment he makes coming over from Japan, we have this conversation every time a pitcher comes over. Uh, but it was 22 starts for him at the big league level. It was spread out. It was once every seven days. There's all these adjustments that come along. So he talked about how the incline of the mound and how that feels a little bit different. Then you got to deal with the baseball. How's he going to do with less rest in between starts? Like he was a workhorse in Japan last year. Um, but can he repeat that? Probably not at the same big league level because he's not going to get as much rest in between starts. And that can be a problem sometimes for uh, Japanese starters. So they're going to be careful with him, I've got to believe at the beginning of the year, also dealing with that finger issue. So there are a lot of reasons that you can look at this starting staff and see why there's going to be a little bit of extra pressure, a little bit more workload on the starting staff. Uh, Talking baseball, talk baseball with C.J. Nikowski here on 98.7 <coughs> ESPN. You look at the NL East, and it's Mets, it's Braves, it's Phillies. You, know, you can order them which way you want, and I'm sure that they're going to be going back and forth really throughout the season. Right now, and I mean, obviously the Diaz absence is going to be a major part of this thing. How would you rank those top three teams in the division going into the season? Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, you know, the Atlanta Braves obviously have done it now five straight years, and so for them uh, it feels like it's kind of their division to lose. They're battling right now, working on their fifth starter spot, but their roster is really deep. Uh, We know that. And it's interesting to kind of compare them to where they are right now compared to where the Mets are with Diaz, right? They went out and they spent the big money. They end up losing him. They pulled off a great trade last year to the Atlanta Braves, bringing in Rysel Iglesias. And so then as soon as they lost Kenley Jansen to free agency, they have a closer in waiting already who was locked into a long-term deal. Um, 
but offensively, it's a really deep lineup. The Philadelphia Phillies made huge moves this past offseason, bringing in Trey Turner, and they've just done it consistently, right? I think it's been five straight years now where it's been a nine-figure deal, either for one of their own or a free agent. Like They've done it pretty consistently out there spending money. Um, they're in really good shape, but of course, they're also missing Bryce Harper uh, for maybe up to the first half of the season. Um, it's a tough division to pick. Even with this Edwin Diaz news, I'm not going to count the Mets out. Um, they're just too good of a team. They have too many resources uh, poured into this team. The other part of it, of course, is Brandon Nimmo and getting news on exactly what this thing is going to be um, with that need for him. But I still like the Braves, but I wouldn't be surprised to see any one of these teams um, win the division. I think you know, you're looking at right now, I think, with both the Phillies and the Mets, kind of hold things down so they can get kind of completely healthy or get their roster the way they want it to compared to where they thought it was going to be just a few weeks ago. That's the big one. The Braves aren't really dealing with that, at least at the start of the season as we get closer, just 12 days away. Um, so they're still a team to beat. They're still a team that, in my opinion, is most likely going to win the division um, with the Mets and the Phillies right behind them. All right, let's flip over to the Yankees here for a second because, look, in the offseason, the moves that they made and, you know, with that starting staff, you looked at bringing on Carlos Rodon. And, and to me, I, I probably had not felt this good about the Yankee rotation maybe since that last World Series team. And you got to go all the way back to 2009, that if Rodon could be the guy we've seen the last couple of seasons, Cole is Cole, everybody down a peg. Well, now you're down two guys already in this rotation. Montas, you're probably not going to see him again this year. Uh, Rodon, even though they're not overly concerned, but CJ, anytime you hear strained forearm, and with a guy who has had a track record once upon a time of arm issues in the past, how concerning is this for you that you know we're not even to opening day yet and the Yankees are dealing with these things with the starting five? Yeah, it's really concerning because they we're going to rely heavily on it, right? I think when you looked at it, as you mentioned on paper uh, just a couple of months ago, you were feeling really good about what they were putting together, right? The Aaron Judge news bringing him back obviously was big, but the Carlos Rodon part for me, once they got that done, kind of brought them to another level in a very competitive division. And now to not have him, and I'm with you, you're going to kind of wait till we see it until he can get out there and start making those starts because of some of the injury history that we have seen uh, in the past from him uh, is concerning. Remember, he's coming off a career-high starts last year with the Giants, 31 career-high innings at 178 for him uh, going into this age 30 season, right? He turned 30 back in December. And so, yeah, he's still got a lot left in the tank, um, but this, these kind of things are probably going to pop up. So what it means is a really good version of Garrett Cole is necessary. What we saw from Luis Severino toward the end, that level and what we've seen when he has been good is, is pretty necessary, I think, to make Yankee fans feel better. I know Nestor Cortez, uh, you know, he's such a fascinating guy to watch him last year and what he did. He's not going to overpower you. And whenever you have guys that rely so much on location and changing speed, who's one that's going to catch up to him now, right? He's got to be on with his, with his command, and he was last year. It's not to say he can't do it again, he can't do it for a long time. But again, if you're looking for something to worry about, those are the kind of things that you, you worry about a little bit, right? It's Rodon's health. Can Nestor um, repeat? Is there enough there in the rotation right now? As it stands to start this thing, probably not. Somebody's going to have to step up, and it could be as much as just Carlos Rodon being healthy and recapturing. Because if he can, and then you have Severino and Cole, you start to feel a little bit better, uh, the good versions of them, feel a little bit better about this rotation. How do you feel about the lineup? Now, we know we have guys there that can obviously put up big numbers, but they really didn't go out and add 
per se anything from last season. And now Harrison Bader's down for the count. He looks like he's going to start the season um, on the IL, at least initially here. And Judge, I mean, you can't expect him to be any better than he was last year. What do you think about this rota- or the lineup from top to bottom here, CJ, overall is how they're going to stack up? Yeah, I'm really curious to see what this lineup's going to look like on opening day. I feel like there's some really big decisions to be made. You know, I do loud outs at MLB Network Radio, and I also do a podcast by the same name. And we got into it yesterday about this and what the Yankees should do with their middle infield and how much it affects their lineup. And do they need to make some really bold decisions? Anthony Volpe has been a lot of fun to watch. Oswald Peraz is a really good defensive shortstop. We know Jason Dominguez got sent down, but he looks like he's got a chance to be impacted in the near future. Are they going to are they going to make the bold move and put a guy like Josh Donaldson on the bench? Would they move Labor Torres? Because we saw Volpe at second in spring training. I know he's a shortstop as well. Can he play third? Jim Bowden, the former general manager, said he thinks he should be the opening day third baseman. So to figure out really what this lineup is or to judge this lineup, I need to know who's actually going to be. And now you got to be a little bit careful about spring training and March numbers and not getting too excited about what some of these young kids are doing right now in spring. Uh, but the other part of it, especially with Peraza and Volpe, is that these guys are dynamic. 50 stolen bases last year for Volpe uh, in the minor leagues. 50 for 57. You had another 33 from Peraza and then the two that we had uh, in the big leagues. Like These guys are dynamic and can change the game. It's a different kind of game. But if they make that decision to give them the opportunity, put Josh Allison on the bench, maybe move Graver Torres, either from second to third or for Volpe to go to third. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot to ask because there's a lot of changes. But the reality is you got to wonder, is that the best lineup that the Yankees can put out there? We already know as we went through kind of the starting pitching and some concerns, and we know this division is deep, you really can't afford to make the wrong decision and get off to a slow start. It's a lot of money to put on the bench, right? Josh Tomlinson's making just under $22 million. He's got a $6 million buyout. It wasn't a good year for him. Last year, the Aaron Hicks contract hasn't worked out. The defense hasn't been very good um, for him. We know Isaiah kind of for left is getting some time in the outfield, maybe to give a guy like Aaron Judge a little bit of a breather why he's got to play center, save those legs a little bit. And I wonder if they're interested in sneaking in Jerks and Profar. He's the one guy that's still out there oh, yeah. um, that can play some left field for you. So I, when I look at the lineup, I, my biggest question is, what is the lineup? What's it going to be uh, opening day? And will they make those really big, bold choices they're not the safe picks the safe pick is to let josh Donaldson play third the safe pick is to let labor torres uh play second but you're not going to get the great defense that you're going to get um if you're going to have a guy like volpe there so that to me is probably the bigger question if they just go with all the veteran guys and the way that we thought it was going to play out without Bader right now it's a pretty good lineup but there's a lot of questions there some guys got to answer and josh Donaldson and aaron hicks are probably the two biggest ones I've been screaming for Profar since January. I'm glad he brought that up. I think he'd be a perfect fit for the Yanks. We'll see if it could still happen here, but only time will tell. We're talking with C.J. Nitkowski here on 98.7 ESPN. Final thing, and, you know, obviously you are one of the TV voices of the Texas Rangers, and I think a lot of fans here would be interested to know what have, what have been the initial reports from what you've heard from uh, our old pal Jacob DeGrom down there in Arizona so far this spring? Well, he finally gets into an A game tomorrow. Uh, I can tell you we're really excited uh, about having him. We haven't done a game yet. Monday is our first game on television, so I actually haven't really? been to Arizona yet. Yeah, we're, I think we're the last ones to get in there, so we'll finally get a chance to see what it's like to call a game with a pitch clock on Monday. But I would say that, you know, the excitement is real. You know, the offense was good last year. He looks healthy. He looks free and easy. He was up to 100 miles an hour in a live batting practice session about a week and a half ago. Everything seems right. I've watched all the interviews, read everything that's going on in Arizona, and it 
obviously we know there's a history there. And over the next five years, they're expecting uh, to hopefully get somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 starts and then a few more in the postseason as well. But between him and Nate Evaldi, I know Yankee fans are certainly familiar seeing him in the American in that uniform. You know, he was up to 99 miles an hour yesterday. Like, he looks really good. And so the depth of the rotation, yeah, DeGrom is certainly the headliner, and we're hoping for that start on March 30th, opening day against the Phillies at Globe Life Field. Uh, but it's the depth uh, also with Andrew Heaney, Nate Evaldi, Jonathan Gray, and uh, Martin Perez, who had a great year last year. Like, the Rangers feel like they finally have really deep and good pitching. And Jake Odorizzi was part of that depth. He's not going to be ready to start the year. Uh, they went from a staff that really struggled to throw strikes in the starting rotation to now hopefully what should look like uh, one of the better rotations when it comes to throw off the strikes when I'm doing it with live stuff. Um, but so far, it's been pretty good here with Jacob DeGrom. And uh, not to rub it in, but we're very happy to have him down in Texas. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, if he's healthy, we know that how much of a difference maker he could be. And, look, Texas will be better. You know, they're going to be a good team to watch because, you know, as I've said throughout the entire time, Bruce Bochy didn't come back off the couch to, to rebuild and to be a babysitter no. and to, you know, lose 80, 90 games. You know, he wants to win, and that's what the plan is. So Texas will be better, and I'm sure you're going to have a lot better days at the ballpark here with this team moving forward. CJ, always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate a couple of minutes here, and uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up again real soon. Yeah, you got it, Dan. Always fun, man. Talk to you soon. All right, be good. There's our pal CJ Nitkowski, MLB Network Radio. Uh, him and Ryan Spielborgs do the Loud Outs podcast. You can check that out uh, as well, which he mentioned there. Interesting. You know, I, I mean, if you're the Met fan, you know, when you hear about the Grom and all these other things, it's you're not going to sit there and wish harm on the guy. But I'm sure that, you know, you're probably going to have at least one eye on his starts and to see how he makes it through. And if, you know, he's able to take the ball consistently every five days and, you know, fulfill what we've seen him be, and that is the best pitcher in baseball when he is healthy. And it remains to be seen if indeed that's going to happen here. We come back, we'll switch gears. We haven't done any of it yet this morning. We will switch gears to some football. What's the latest with the standoff between the Jets and the Green Bay Packers involving one Aaron Rodgers? Dan Gross' show, till 1230, then it's Knicks basketball right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The 
playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN, on this Saturday morning. Hope everybody's having a great one. Let's get a little hoops update in, brought to you by New Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola. Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola is here, born for what's next, born for a bolder taste. Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola, it is born for this. Enjoy responsibly. Round of 32 in the NCAA tournament begins today. Eight games, including... Duke and Tennessee, who'll tangle at just after 2.30. Winner of that one moves on to MSG for the East Regionals next week. You got our pals Princeton. They're going to take on Missouri a little after 6 o'clock out in Sacramento. You got the three number one seeds, the three ones that are still standing, of course, in action. Kansas will host, or not host, but Kansas will take on Arkansas. Houston will take on Auburn. Alabama-Maryland is the last game to tip off later tonight, about a quarter to 10 in Games get underway at noon, standalone game. First two games are standalone games on Saturday, which is great. You got Furman and San Diego State at noon, and then the Duke-Tennessee game at 2.40. So that is the hoops update on this Saturday, round two of the NCAA tournament. As far as the football is concerned, so what is the latest right now with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? Still no movement. Well, we got we – got part one of this whole thing situated, right? Now we kind of know why Aaron Rodgers was laying low for as long as he was, why we didn't hear anything. But he told the world on the Pat McAfee show a couple of days ago that he indeed intends to play football this year and he intends to play for the New York Jets, which I still can't fathom all these days later that those words actually came out of his mouth, like Aaron Rodgers choosing the New York Jets. So, Far be it for me to sit there and, you know, just drone on. Why did Aaron choose the Jets? There's, you know, a lot of reasons why, uh, you know, the, the Jets are attractive. Um, but, you know, there's one coach who's been as much to me as any coach I've ever had, and he happens to be the coordinator there. Now, what you didn't hear them say, because I don't think it actually made the air. I think they were having some technical difficulties that so never got on. He said he's a huge fan of the pre- and post-game show for the Jets with Gross and Buttle. And that's why he had to be a part of it. Like, he can't wait to be on that show. So, uh, that's, I mean, that, that goes without saying. And I've had confirmation on that, too. Confirmation situation. All kidding aside, though. Um, all right, so Give when is this going to be your show? That's the, that, exactly. Thank you. Um, the thing is, though, now you got to come to a deal. And now you have to work out an agreement because Green Bay now knows where they stand with Aaron Rodgers, right? They've made it clear to him that they want to move on to Jordan Love. Mark Murphy told the whole world a week ago that they want to move on to the youngster, and I don't blame them for that. I don't. You know, you had a first-round pick who's already three years into the league. You don't really truthfully know what you have in him. I mean, you see him in practice. He's played a couple of minutes here and there in real game activity. But you need to know what you have because pretty soon they got to make a decision. Hey, fifth-year option, we doing it, yay or nay? you got to figure out if, okay, this is going to be the guy. And look, are the odds in Green Bay's favor? Are they in Jordan Love's favor? I don't know if you could sit here and say definitively that they are. The Packers have had 
30 years with two guys as their quarterbacks. Think about that, right? I mean, it's almost not fair. The most important position in all of team sports, the starting quarterback in the National Football League, since 1992, it's been two guys. It's been Favre, it's been Rodgers. Two Hall of Famers. Two multi-MVPs. Super Bowl champions. Franchises aren't supposed to have that much good fortune, but the Packers have. That's like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers have had two head coaches in that time, right? I think Bill Cowher's first year was 1992. He steps aside after a long run, and then Mike Tomlin takes over. So two, two coaches in 30 years. And it's no secret that that's how you build a winning program and a winning organization. Packers win, Steelers win. Hell, they even played each other in a Super Bowl. The only Super Bowl Aaron Rodgers ever went to was against the Pittsburgh Steelers, believe it or not, after that 2010 season. But Jet fans now are eager to see if Rodgers could be the guy to take them to greener pastures. See what I did there? And it's been long enough, right? It's been five and a half decades. I'd say that they're pretty much past due. So what is it going to take? Because the standoff is happening right now between the two teams. Rodgers has made his position known that he's going to play for the Jets. Packers have essentially moved on. And the Jets, yeah, they pretty much have nowhere else to turn. Imagine calling up Zach Wilson after everything that's gone down. Like if this Rodgers thing somehow falls through and they got to call up Zach Wilson and be like, hey, Zach, you ready to go, man? You're the guy. We believe in you. We've always believed in you. Can you imagine that? Like after they've gone down the Derek Carr road, the all this. I mean, it's like you got nobody left. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is 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 with the Raiders. Carr is in New Orleans. I don't know what Rodgers would do, but I mean, there's literally no other options. But that's not going to happen. So, what is it going to take? And I don't know. Are you concerned? See, the, the one yeah, but that I would have despite all the optimism and all the euphoria if you're a Jet fan with the Rodgers news, is at least the way that he put it to Pat McAfee is that when he went into the darkness retreat, he said in his mind he was 90% retired. And there was only a 10% chance that he was going to play. And then he comes out of the darkness retreat after two and a half days and gets word that the Packers are ready to move on and they want to turn things over to Jordan Love. And all of a sudden, that rekindled the fire. The old chip on the shoulder kind of returned. And at that point, he wanted to be a quarterback again in the National Football League. So I guess my question is, is that for all the right reasons? Right? Is, is just trying to get back at a scorned X, is that why you're playing football? Or do you really and truly want to put and invest all of your time, your energy, everything into doing things the right way? Because if it's about getting revenge, I don't know in the long run if that's the best plan of attack, right? Now, like I said, Jets don't have a lot of options right now. They really and truly don't. And I keep going back to that old line, you know, Parcells used to say that once you're thinking about retirement, you're already retired. So if this guy, forget about thinking about it. You know, I, I did okay in math, but 90% is pretty overwhelming. So by his words, if he really and truthfully was 90% retired, is he in this thing legitimately, right? Which means he's showing up in the offseason program when this thing gets worked out, 
right? Are you going to be there working with the young wide receivers, helping them teach the offense? Because that's the other big part of this. Unlike Brett Favre 15 years ago, Favre had to learn a whole new offense. Rodgers is coming in here as almost like the professor. He knows it, right? Him and Nathaniel Hackett, they, they've run this thing to perfection. Won him a couple of MVP awards. So I think it's going to be incumbent upon the quarterback to help ease that transition to some of his playmakers out there. I mean, all right, Alan Lazard is part of this now. Great. That's one less person that you have to teach it to, but you would hope that just trying to build that chemistry and establish the camaraderie that he is really going to be fully invested in this thing. But the trade has to happen first before you can really start to establish that type of a connection. So what is it going to take? And, you know, leverage is another big word that's been thrown out there, right? Jets have the leverage. Packers have the leverage. I mean, you hear it from both sides. So who's got the leverage and what is it going to take here? 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. I'll tell you what I think when we come back. We'll do a little March Madness. Chris Patola, our pal from ESPN, college basketball analyst, will join us coming up at 11 o'clock. Remember, we roll till 1230 on this Saturday. Then it's Knicks basketball right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Professional football in America is a special game, a unique game, played nowhere else on earth. It is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Coming now, buddy. We on our horse all day long. Let's just kick this So we're like still, what, about six months, a little less away from the start of the season? And you hear something like that, and you would think it's September already, or at least hope it's September already. I don't want to rush this thing, you know? We haven't even gotten a spring yet. Spring is actually Monday, so that's something to look forward to. Followed up by summer. You know, let, let, let's enjoy actually the nice weather before we think about football. But it feels like the NFL offseason has been going on for months and months and months just because of all this Aaron Rodgers speculation and drama and what's going to happen and now we kind of have some closure and finality to it, and the offseason's really only been a couple of days because the new league year, right, began on Wednesday. But interesting nonetheless, Dan Cross's show, 98.7 ESPN. Remember, we go till 1230 today, and then we got 
Knicks basketball, Knicks nuggets coming up from MSG. Little uh, day-night double dip at the Garden. Rangers tonight. Our coverage begins at 7.30 for the hockey game uh, on that side bing of things. Bing bong, here. bing bong, bong bing. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking as well, as far as the Jets and the Giants are concerned for the upcoming season, they're supposed to play each other this year. It's a giant home game, I believe. Don't you think it makes a hell of a lot of sense for the NFL to maybe schedule the Jets and Giants to play each other on 9-11? That'll be the first Monday night football game of the season. Week one, 9-11. Don't you think it would mean a lot if it was Jets-Giants? Like, get the game out of the way. Week one, right out of the chute. Aaron Rodgers, first game as a Jet. National TV, ESPN. Troy Aikman trying to make nice with his new production staff. I don't know if you saw that story. I guess Troy not too happy with the crew that they had in year one of his uh, Monday Night Football tenure. Sure, whatever. Um, but I think Jets-Giants, that would be a good idea, right? Week one. And you know the Jets are going to get a lot of primetime games this year. Like, we, you know, we're all kind of in our, our text message group chat. All of us that work on the games, you know, Greg, Anthony, Ray Dinahan, and, you know, like, say goodbye to the 1 o'clock games. We're done. Forget about that. We had it nice and easy for the last couple of years, all with the exception of maybe like one or two games. It was, all right, Sunday at 1, good, routine, perfect. Now it's going to be nothing but 4 o'clock games, Sunday night games, Monday night games. That's what happens when you get one of these guys, right, when you get the rock star coming to your team. That was the difference with Favre is that, remember, Favre got traded over in August of that year, and the schedule was already long made. And there was no flex scheduling back then. So it's not like they could have shifted the Jets into prime time. Like they had a couple of games beforehand and that was it. Now forget about it. Oh, it's going to be nothing like it used to be. Nothing. All right, so what is it going to take? Right, which side is going to blink first? And the way that I see it, I don't really assign a winner or a loser to who's got the leverage between either the Jets or the Packers here. I think both teams have leverage in their own respect. Because if you're the Jets, all right, Rodgers has already come out and said that he's going to play for you. It's not like there's another team that could potentially come and steal him away. It's going to be the Jets or nobody, right? And the Jets don't have to necessarily get him in the building, what, until training camp? Like, if you want to be... So what is that, July? They got plenty of time. Now, in a perfect world, they'd love to have this thing wrapped up sooner. They'd love to get him in. And like I said, the whole pomp and circumstance, get the introductions out of the way. Hey, how are you? I'm Aaron Rodgers, blah, blah, blah. Won a few MVPs, going to the Hall of Fame, that type of stuff. But if you're the Packers, all right, yeah, you got a guy in Jordan Love. But you already have a quarterback in Rodgers who says that I don't want to play for you anymore because you moved on from me. You've quit me. So Green Bay needs to ask themselves a couple of questions. You're going to get from the Jets draft capital. I don't know if there's going to be a player in the move as well, but in all probability, it's going to be draft capital. And if you're Green Bay, you have to ask yourself the question, is this going to be draft choices for 2023, draft choices for 2024, or even beyond? Who the heck knows? I would like to think that if I'm the Packers, and this has nothing to do with the quality of prospect 
in either one of the two upcoming drafts. You know, I don't know how their personnel staff and their scouting staff have evaluated the prospects for, for this upcoming draft, whether they think it's a good class, bad class, so-so class versus 2024. I, that's not what this is about for me. I look at it a different way. When it comes to the Green Bay Packers, or at least with the Jets, look, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback for the 2023 season, which means Jets expect to be better than they were this past year, which means where is that draft choice going to be for 2024? All their draft choices. I'm not talking about the first round. I'm talking about in all the rounds. It's probably going to be at the tail end of each round, right? Because Jets are going to be a little bit better, as opposed to now where they're midway through the round. Jets are picking 13th of the first round, and then subsequently all the other rounds, it's going to fall in line somewhere about there. So if you're the Packers, wouldn't you want the picks for the 2023 draft? Because they're going to be better picks. That's how I would approach it. So if that's the case, hey, clock is ticking. Five weeks. That's all you got. Draft is at the end of April. So if I'm Green Bay, I want to make a move kind of sooner rather than later. And despite all of these lofty demands with the first round picks and then some, again, you're going to be able to do this if you're the Jets without sacrificing a first round pick. I have been steadfast in that since these even were rumors and even the slightest of possibility going back a couple of months that Rodgers might be coming to the Jets. It is not going to take a first round pick to get this thing done. I truly don't believe that. You're talking about a guy who's 39 years old. It's not like the Jets are requiring Aaron Rodgers to have him be their quarterback for the next 10 years, right? That he's in the prime of his career and he's still 30 years old. This isn't like Russell Wilson getting traded to Denver. This isn't like the Matthew Stafford and and, and Jared Goff trade. The reason that first round picks were involved there. Well, a couple of things with the Seattle Denver one, you were talking about a player who's still younger in his career. Number two, the Stafford Goff trade. Remember, Lions took on that entire Jared Goff contract, which was still a pretty penny because the Rams signed Goff to that blockbuster contract extension not long after he took him to that first Super Bowl. So that's why there were first-round picks that exchanged hands there. That's not happening this time around. You're talking about a guy who's only going to play one more year, maybe two. Why would anybody part ways with a first-round pick? Come on, guy. Like, think about it for a second. You know, you're not buying a guy or trading for a guy who, just because you look at the back of the baseball, he's not a baseball player, but if you look at the resume, you look at the back of the card, yeah, it still says four-time MVP and all the accolades and things that he's accomplished, but you got to be rational about this. He's 39. This could be it. And he's not coming off of an MVP season. He's coming off of a good season, but... For Aaron Rodgers' standards, it's not at the level that we know that he's capable of playing at. And that's the line that I would drive if I'm Joe Douglas and the Jets. I think that you have to. Yesterday's price is not today's price, as a wise man once said. And ultimately, I think that this standoff will benefit the Jets when it's all said and done. Because Green Bay has to look at things like, well, you know, we want to make things as easy on our new quarterback. And we want to make sure that we surround him with as many tools to be successful as possible. And, you know, call me crazy, I would think that one of the ways of doing that is to maybe beef up your chances of bringing in some good players in the upcoming draft, which means go get them picks. So the clock is ticking. You got four or five weeks. 
make something happen. I'll channel my inner Aaron Rodgers when talking to the Packers. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Send your guy off to where he wants to go, and then we can all get on with our lives and get ready for the upcoming season. Simple as that. They should have me in the room. I could be like the mediator. I could be that guy to bridge the gap, to facilitate the conversation. That's what I'm all about. Trying to keep people happy. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Giants staying busy as well. Maybe not as noteworthy as an Aaron Rodgers, but I like what the Giants are doing. Talk about that coming up next. We'll do some March Madness coming up at 11. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This portion of the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN is brought to you by Slowman's. Slowman's Home Security is celebrating their 100-year anniversary. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME to protect your home and family. Dan Grosser Show on this Saturday. We are rocking and rolling till 1230. Then we will hand things over to Pat O'Keefe. He's got Knicks pregame. Knicks and the Nuggets at Madison Square Garden. Knickerbockers back in action. Seeing if they can continue on the momentum that they built uh, winning the last couple of games on that West Coast swing. Even though there's a few days off in between. And more importantly, we'll see if Jalen Brunson is going to be good to go and if he is in the lineup this afternoon. We should get official word probably, I would say, within the next half hour at the very least. Right when Tibbs talks to the media before the game, and we'll see if uh, Jalen is good to go, and we will uh, let you know. Let's say hi to Richard. He is in Manhattan. He's up next here on 98.7. Richard, good morning. How are you? Hello, Richard. Richard going once. Richard's not there. See, Richard likes to call and not say hello. You know, that's why, you know, come on, Richard. You're better than that. Richard's generally very eager, so we say goodbye to Richard. I don't know. He called, and then he fell asleep. I, I expect better from Richard. Um, you're a Giant fan. You should expect a lot better from your football team, even though last year was pretty good as well. I like what Joe Shane has done. I like what the general manager has done so far. And really, what I like to say is his first offseason, being in charge of this football team. I mean, last year was nice, you know, as I've talked about many times. There really wasn't that much flexibility that he had to work with, Right? No cap space. Yeah, you make your draft choices, but so does every GM. This time, it's roll up your sleeves and get to work. And he's done that so far. You know, he had to get through the Daniel Jones negotiation, which he did. 
and he structured the contract where it was going to help the club moving forward, and I think that you're starting to see the moves trickle down from that. I thought the Bobby Okereke move was really solid on the defensive side of the ball. Giants need linebackers in the worst possible way. Okereke is going to help. Sending player, 26 years of age, I think that's a really solid move. Um, you know, and now when you look at the depth chart and what they've done on the offensive side of the ball, maybe none of these wide receivers that they brought in have been like the so-called blockbuster-type moves, but they're a bunch of solid players. You know, you bring back guys that there's familiarity with. You know, they re-signed Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton ended up being their number one receiver last year, and it wasn't supposed to be that way, but just by default, that's how it kind of all unfolded. You bring back Hodgins. Uh, you sign Paris Campbell from the Indianapolis Colts, who's a nice player. You're banking on Wandale Robinson staying healthy in his second season. You know, Sterling Shepard back coming off of injury, one-year kind of prove-it type deal. So you got about like five, six guys. Now, I think law of averages, you got to hope that the injury bug is not going to just like ravage your wide receiver room like it did last year so these guys can actually go out there and contribute, which is nice. And I don't think that they're done adding to that room either because I think that they're going to be active, at least in the draft, in bringing in a couple of other pass catchers as well for this team. So you're already invested in Daniel Jones. What's one way to keep Daniel Jones and make him successful? Get him some playmakers. And, oh, by the way, let's not forget the Darren Waller trade with the Raiders at tight end. Darren Waller will be, you heard it here first, Darren Waller will be Daniel Jones' favorite target. Number one target, security blanket, whatever analogy you want to use, he will be that guy for the upcoming season. I love that trade by Joe Shane. Love it. We come back. Go back to some college hoops. Chris Patola, college basketball analyst for ESPN, will join us. We roll till 1230, then it's Knicks basketball. Dan Grasso Show here on this Saturday, 98.7 ESPN.